You know if everyone stopped listening I wouldn't have to do this anymore. Gabriel will be at the Comedy Cave in Calgary, Canada February 25th to March 1st. The Comedy Underground in Seattle March 5th to 8th. The Lime in Kirkland, Washington March 10th. But don't go to that one. Gabriel is at the Washington Center in Olympia March 13th. Go to that one. Also Boise March 19th to 22. For more info and for all of Gabriel's show dates go to gabrielrutledge.com. Now it's time to relax, laugh, and learn nothing. Episode 55 of Happy Happiness Isn't Funny with Gabriel Rutledge starts right now. And now here's your host, Gabriel Rutledge. Check, check, check. Roll in. Oh, it's been a little while. Sorry, podcast listeners. I know you've all been crying by your iPhones that I haven't uh, had a podcast in a while. Uh, but, you know, it's free. I'm in Tucson uh, at the Comedy Condo here for Laughs Comedy Club. And uh, there's no one else here. Just walking around with my balls out. That's a disturbing. I shouldn't have. St- I started the podcast with a disturbing image, and I apologize. My balls are in. Okay. <laughs> no one ever says that. People always go like, "Oh yeah, I went balls out." No one ever was like, "I don't like to take chances." I'm. I go balls in. I keep it high and tight. Uh man. I. I uh, last week I was also. In uh, Arizona, as luck would have it, I was uh, I was in Glendale, which is like near Phoenix. Went home, but this had came back to Tucson. Tell you what, man, I get snowbirds. I get the idea of retiring and uh, living part of the year in Arizona, and then going back to where you you came from uh, when it gets hot as fuck down here. Cause man, it is nice. You know, mid-70s, sunshine, the northwest right now, just, uh, well, not all the northwest, the uh, Seattle, Tacoma, Olympia, Portland, all those areas, just dark as shit this year. I mean, it is every year. But just, it's not even the rain, it's the light. It's depressing. It never used to bother me, but uh, it gets to me now a little bit. And even today in Tucson, it's actually uh, raining a little bit, but it's it's brighter. It's like uh, the tent is just turned up compared to uh, western Washington, where I live. And also, you know, I'm a Northwest kid, so I know sometimes people go to uh, where I live and they're like, look at the trees, look at the mountains, it's so fucking amazing. And you are right, and you're welcome. I made them myself, me and Jesus. But to me, Arizona is uh, extra beautiful because it's just, I'm not from here. I don't, you know, I'm walking around this neighborhood, everyone's got a lemon tree, orange trees, uh, there's... Cactuses all over their yard, like all kinds. Uh, and it's to me, it's just, uh, it's awesome. So uh, I don't know. It's on the list. It's on the list of places uh, I might want to be if uh, 
you know, when the kids move out and my youngest daughter is eight. So why am I even, why am I even bringing it up? Also, if it was 115 today, I'd be like, no one should live in Arizona. I don't think people are supposed to live in the desert. I mean, the, the plants make it pretty clear. Every plant here is growing daggers out of it. It's like humans not welcome. And uh, we just show up anyway. Like, you know what? I brought a bottle of water. I think I'll be fine. <clears throat> Excuse me. Professional podcaster. You know, I should have a little coffee. That's what I should do. Oh, I like my coffee like I like my women. In the desert. Hmm. Uh, I, uh, I was thinking about it. I've been coming to this club in Tucson, I think, from 2003 or two. Uh, I mean, a long-ass time, and it uh, has always been different owners. It used to be a Tuesday through Saturday week. Now it's just Friday, Saturday, but even had different owners. But, man, it's always been uh... – all right, keep it down out there. I don't know if you heard that. Someone drove by aggressively. There's kids in this neighborhood. There probably are kids in this neighborhood, but I, I, I just walked uh, to Raising Cane's Chicken. And uh, I, I feel the same about Raising Cane's Chicken as I do about uh, cactuses. <laughs> like, they don't have these where I live. That makes it extra good. Uh it's good. Chicken strips. Why Why would I go to a chicken strip restaurant when I've literally been eating chicken strips at comedy clubs for 20 years? Um, I don't know. Creature of habit. But Cane's, if you're ever, uh, for my for my Northwest fans, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. From people who know me in the Northwest, uh, if you're ever traveling and you see a, a Raising Cane's chicken, go. It's so goddamn good. What was I talking about? Oh, I was outside. I walked uh, to, to Raising Cane's and back. And, uh, man, I didn't see one person. I saw not a person outside, uh, which is always kind of eerie, where it's, is this a ghost town? Uh, I did see one person staring at me from their window, and they had that look like, people don't walk by my house. What the hell are you doing here? But, yeah, I've been coming here a long time, and uh, it's always been a hot room. You know, I don't know why. It just is. Low ceilings. A lot of people in there. I guess Tucson likes to have a good time. It's just good crowds. My, uh, my, uh, well, it was a DVD back when I sold DVDs was recorded here. Now you can watch it for free, uh, on my YouTube channel. I recorded that here in, I think, 2016. Uh, my viral clip on Facebook came from that. So, uh, Tucson's been good to me. Uh, I actually, last week I was uh, in Glendale, and uh, that's a newer club. It's called Stir Crazy, but uh, every show sold out, all five shows, Thursday, two Friday, two Saturday. <clears throat> was it because it was uh, Valentine's Day weekend? Yeah, they had a lot to do with it, but it's still, I was there, all right? Did, did all the shows sell out because there were so many Gabriel Rutledge fans in the Phoenix area? No. 
But my name was on the marquee, and all the shows sold out, so I accepted. Just like if you stand up to go to the bathroom when I end my show, I count that as a standing ovation. Uh, so that was fun. I mean, I've had some good shows. I got two more tonight in, uh, in Tucson. Uh, but actually, okay, I had a show in Oak Harbor on Thursday. That wasn't that great, Oak Harbor, Washington. I'm not good at, you know, it feels so good to put things in my calendar, you know. So when I know I'm I'm flying out to Tucson at 5.40 a.m. and someone says, hey, do you want to work Oak Harbor, Washington, three hours from your house the night before you leave at 5.40 a.m.? Would you like to do that? And I go, yeah, sure. Future me would love to do that. It's $250 that I don't have now. I'll do that. It'll be fine. And then I have to actually live out what I've put in the calendar. And uh, future me always disappears right when you need him. And then current me is like past me is an asshole. Because, I, you know... I could have come home after the Oak Harbor gig, but I would have been home for like an hour and had to turn around and go back. So I figured, why, why, uh, you know, my house is 50 minutes from the airport. So I just got to the airport at like uh, 12.30, 1 a.m. and uh, hung out there. Cursing past me. Why have you done that to us? But uh, Glendale. It's a really good club. And here, maybe, I don't know, I have a lot of comedians uh, who listen to this. Uh, maybe you're interested in these things. Maybe you're not. Uh, I have a lot of comedy fans who listen to this. So <clears throat> you might be thinking, what makes a good club? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, this guy, Tom. Tom Sims, who owns the Stir Crazy Comedy Club in Glendale. Uh, by the way, he has a podcast called The Business of Comedy with Tom Sims. Uh which is pretty interesting. Uh, I'm going to call him a, I don't know him well, but I'm going to call him uh, sort of a, not only a comedy nerd, but a business nerd. Like he spent a lot of time figuring out the best way to make a comedy club. From the comedian's perspective, uh, like I said before, low ceilings. In fact, he had the ceiling lowered when he, <laughs> in the room. Like, it was higher when he, I don't know if he bought it or leased it or whatever. He lowered the ceiling on purpose. Uh, there's no check drop. Which I think people know what the check drop is. But if you don't, uh, you know, a lot of times 15 minutes before the headliner is done, they will drop bills on the table. And then everyone has to, like, do math and get out their credit card while the comedian is on stage telling jokes. Well, you're trying to carry the one out in the audience, and it sucks. And uh, they don't do that at Stir Crazy Comedy Club. They don't do it. They're starting to do it less places. Canada, for the most part, doesn't do it. Uh, there's some clubs in the uh, in the in the states that are starting to do it. I mean, the idea, the reason people do check drop is because they're afraid of people walking out. That's the main thing. And also, if there's two shows. They're trying to clear the room as fast as possible to get ready for the next one. So I get why they do it. But from a performing perspective, check drop sucks. So there's no check drop. Uh, 
there's a light in the back of the room that comes on whatever you tell them, five minutes before you're done, which you'd be shocked how many comedy clubs don't have a light in the back of the room. They just wave a flashlight at you or something, which works, but like the light comes on yellow. I told them five minutes before I'm done, light comes on at yellow, it turns red when that five minutes is up. Hey, that's simple. That's a thing every fucking comedy club in the world should have. That's a nice thing to do. Also, in the green room, the light comes on in the green room. So you're sitting in the green room, the red light on the wall comes on, that means you know the comic in front of you has five minutes left. Also very nice. The sound system is good. Another, it's it's literally like the one of the only things you really need for a good comedy show is a good sound system. And again, it's shocking the amount of... Some of the funny bones I worked last year were in, like, you know, giant malls and 350 seats, and, like, the sound was shit. Amazing to me. Uh, But, so, yeah, the sound is great. Uh, The room, first of all, I think 130 is a sellout, which is a great size, okay? Uh, and it's also when it doesn't sell out. Hey, 50 people in a room that seats 130 looks a lot better than 100 in a room that seats 350. You know what I mean? Uh, so all that stuff is nice. Uh, how about this? They don't give away tickets. A lot of comedy clubs do uh, what we call papering the room. Meaning, hey, fill out our comment card or whatever. And uh, then you get an email that says, hey, do you and 14,000 of your closest friends want to come to a comedy club for free? Oh, it's your birthday? Here's 10 tickets. Oh, t- you know, and look, I'm happy when anyone shows up, but the difference between an audience that all paid $20 a ticket and an audience that feels like they're doing the club a favor because they cashed in on a free thing uh, is pretty significant. A paid audience is way better than someone who just showed up because they had a free coupon or whatever. So that part's nice. Also, uh, this is another thing some comedy clubs are starting to do. I'm a big fan of. They do it at the Stir Crazy Comedy Club. Uh, Every table has a little lamp that the customer can turn on and a little light comes on when they want waitstaff to come over. So they're like, hey, let's get a couple more Coors lights. They flip the light on. Waitress comes over. They order a couple of beers. That is so much better then the wait staff just walking through the crowd going, can I get you anything else? Do you want anything? Do you want a couple more Bahama Mamas or whatever the hell they're drinking? Uh, so yeah, all those things add up to just be like, oh, as a comedian, this club gives a shit about me. How nice. Uh, I also appreciate that uh, Tom just straight up the first time I worked there goes, this is what I pay every single headliner, the same flat amount. He's like, there's no negotiating? Every single person I have in here makes the same amount of money, which was a decent amount of money, uh, but not crazy. And that is interesting to me because, you know, he has a comics a lot bigger than me going in there. And I'm like, huh, they work for what I work for, huh? Interesting. Uh, so that's nice. It's kind of like buying a car. Where there's like no haggle sales. The price on the car is what you pay, you know. Um, and also every show sold out. He gave me a little bit extra, so that was nice too. Uh, okay, from the customer perspective, why Star Crazy Comedy Club is a great comedy club. 
Uh, he did a lot of research on this. Um, customers do not like a two-drink minimum. A lot of comedy clubs say two-drink minimum, especially if they're giving away free tickets because that's how they make their money with the drinks and the food. So uh, there is no drink minimum. You pay 20 bucks for a ticket, don't buy anything if you don't want to. Uh, so that's great. Uh, a lot of uh, comedy club customers don't like sitting with other people. Do you know what I mean? They're at a big table. There's four people they never met before. It's a little awkward. So uh, what they have at Stir Crazy is they have uh, everything is a two-top. Everything It's like this very narrow square table that's just big enough for like, you know, drinks and two plates. So every table is for two people. Now, you're still right next to another table for two people, but you still sort of have that illusion of like, this is our space. Uh, so I think that's pretty nice. Also, uh, Tom, you know, he greets everyone at the door, takes their money and all that, like you do when you go to a comedy club. And then uh, he starts the show, but not with like, I th he used to be a comedian, so he could do it, but not in the way that some comedy club owners go up on stage and like, try to be funny and it doesn't work. And then they introduce the first comic who has to dig out of a hole. He goes up, says, thanks for coming. He goes, who's celebrating a birthday? Cool. Uh, he says, turn off your phones, do all that. He takes care of all the business. And then he introduces the host of the show who doesn't even, the worst part about hosting besides going first is you have to do all that shit. You have to be like, please silence your cell phones and you know, We have drink specials. Like, that's the worst part about hosting. Go to our website. Tom does all that. And uh, so anyway, I know I'm really kissing this dude's ass, but it, it when you work somewhere where someone spent a lot of time thinking about the entire whole of a business and uh, the best thing to do, uh, I also thought it was interesting. I was talking to him because the, the audience tends to be slightly older. Not like senior citizens. Well, some. But, uh, and so I said, is this, is Glendale sort of, uh, a, you know, no, is that the demographic of Glendale? And he was like, not really, but we don't advertise to anyone under 35. There's people at the club under 35, but he doesn't target advertising towards them because, uh, one, they have less money, and two, uh, he said they make trouble. Uh, you know, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, that probably depends where you live, but, uh, that idea of like, how about let's just advertise to the people that will come and have money, disposable income to do so. Uh, cause I know that's a big thing in the Seattle area is, is, uh, people under 30, people under 35, they'll go see you in a theater. They'll go see a famous person in a theater, and they will go to their neighborhood. They'll go to the back of a Thai restaurant or, you know, I know there's a show in Portland, Oregon, where it's like at a bike shop or, you know, a lot of the Seattle area shows and Portland area shows are like these little neighborhood spots, and they're packed. Even, even if it's a small crowd, it's like they're packed. But those same people, if you were like, hey, go to this comedy club you know, it's a two drink minimum, blah, blah, blah. They're like, no, fuck that. They won't, you know what I mean? So it, it, it is an interesting, uh, it's just interesting to think about. Um, 
And uh, it was it. I I started listening to his podcast about the business of comedy, and that that was interesting to me too because I, you know, comedians think of themselves as artists. I mean, I try not to because it's douchey, but I mean, sure, I'm a performing artist, so we're we're thinking things like, you know, I'm, I want to do this no joke about whatever. How come my old joke's not working? What did I do different? Oh, I have this new tag I want to put on this other joke. And, you know, how many new jokes do I have since the last time I was at this club? And, you know, those are the things that run through a comedian's head. But when you, when I listen to this podcast, it's stuff I already knew, but when I listen to his podcast and he's talking to other club owners, you know, about what they want out of a comedian, especially one that's not famous. You know, if you're famous enough that you're going to sell out five shows, six shows in a giant room, it doesn't matter if you're funny. You sold out the room, right? If you're at my level or you're not even a headliner, they don't care what you're saying. They booked the room from the bar. If they can hear the laughs through the wall, they don't care. That's all they want. They want you to kill. They don't care how many new jokes you have. They don't care if you have hacky topics and hacky premises. You know, within reason, I don't, you know. Uh, but they're not booking clubs based on even their own personal preferences of what they think stand-up comedy should be. If you can get a certain crowd reaction out of the crowd, it doesn't matter what you're saying. And uh, I knew that, but it was like when I listened to Tom's podcast, The Business of Comedy, it was like a real reminder of like, oh yeah, I get paid to kill. That's the only reason I'm there. You know, I don't have a career where everyone's showing up because they saw my last special and they wonder what my new shit is. I'm there because whatever, people saw it on Groupon or they got a babysitter and they just wanted to go out. You know, I uh, I get paid to kill and the comedian's listening, so do you. From any spot, MC, middle, Headliner, you get paid to kill. Of course, I still write new material. Of course, I'm always thinking about that. But that new material better be good enough to replace something else that used to kill. You know, it's a balance. You can't you can't get addicted to killing, otherwise you'll never write a new joke. But it you know, like I said, from a uh, from a comedy club booker's perspective, uh, you got to kill. They're not – the comedy club bookers, like, they're never going to be like – that show you killed for 40 minutes and that five minutes in the middle where you were clearly working on something new. I really enjoyed that five minutes in the middle because uh, it's really fun to see you uh, expand as a performer. They don't give a shit. Nor should they. 
I mean, yeah, we're artists, but we're artists here to sell chicken strips and beer and that, uh, you know. And I see that. You know, I always wish I wrote more new material and, you know, if I ever got to the point where I put it on a Netflix special or something, which there's zero reason to think that's going to happen. Yeah, I guess I would have to start over and really throw away all that material, but I've never had to do that. <clears throat> but I see people opening for me. Uh, I'm just thinking about of the people I know who've opened for me to listen to my podcast. I'm not talking about you. I mean someone else. They've opened for me. They've killed and then six months later, they open for me again, and they do okay, but not as good, but it's like a bunch of new material, which is great, but it's also like, you still got to kill. For me, you know, whatever, some bar gig in Oak Harbor, who gives a shit? Do what you want. But if you're at a comedy club, kill first, be an artist later, you know? They're booking the room by decibel meter. Do you know what I mean? The, the, what, they could put one of those decibel things in the back of the room and be like, if it doesn't hit this point, you're not coming back. That's They literally don't care what you do. They're trying to make people happy. And that works for my style of comedy because, you know, a lot of people say, like, good comedy makes you think, and it can but uh, I'm actually going for the exact opposite with my comedy. I don't want you to think. I want to be so goddamn funny your brain turns off. And you're just reacting. You're not thinking things like, good point, or I disagree, or, you know. Donald Trump really is like that. I'm not interested in those reactions. I'm interested in... Uh, I'm interested in giving you a brain vacation. So my style of comedy kind of works out better for that. So I'm I'm lucky in that sense that you know you know I I'm I'm a good comedian for like a couple who got a babysitter going out on a Friday night who doesn't know what they're about to see, and not everyone can do that. Uh, but yeah, I don't like to give advice, so I'll give vague advice to no specific people because I know a lot of comedians listen to this podcast. Well, a lot of no one listens to this podcast, but of the people who listen. I know some of them are comedians, and uh, if you're at a comedy club, if you're in a place that says comedy club on the on the wall, don't worry about the comics in the back of the room who you're like, oh, I want to impress them because I want them to know I'm still working at comedy and I want to do a bunch of new shit. You fucking kill. That's what you do. All right, I'm done. I'm done talking about comedy. Too much comedy talk. I'm grossing myself out. Hello. This is a commercial word for Anchor Podcasts, the easiest way to host your podcast. Um, if you don't have a podcast, congratulations. You probably have an enjoyable life full of friends, family, and fun. Uh, but if you do have a podcast, um, I'm sorry, and you should use Anchor Podcasts. Uh, it's easy. It's free. Uh, they distribute everything for you. They give you sponsorship, which apparently is just talking about Anchor. I guess that's their sponsorship, but I don't want to brag, but I make, you know, maybe six bucks a month doing this. So, worth it? Of course it is. Uh, go to anchor.fm or the Anchor app. We now return to another 
riveting episode of the Rutledges. I actually, uh, actually, kind of, I gave a comedy talk to uh, a high school classroom. Uh, comedian, his name is Kevin Eggleston. Is it Calvin or Kevin? Let me check. This is good podcasting. Kevin, Calvin, Kevin. Kevin, Kevin Eggleston, Mr. Eggleston at, I think it was like Tahoma High School or something in Maple Valley, Maple View, Washington. And uh, yeah, he teaches a class called, I, I don't know what it was called, Comedic Lit or something, but they talk about stand-up comedy. And he asked if I would come talk to his class, and I have trouble with boundaries, so I said yes. Um... But man, it was kind of, it was interesting. It was interesting to talk. You know, they had uh, they had good questions. Um, well, I mean, one of the one of the girls was like, when I opened it up for questions, she was like, "Oh, what kind of conditioner do you use?" <laughs> I can't get away from it. And then I was like, "Usually Pantene," and she was like, "I thought so. You thought so? Really?" I know this is a, you know, I'm not going to complain about people complimenting my hair because that would be stupid. But when I was in Oak Harbor, uh, there was hairdressers. And uh, first I brought up my hair and they said, uh, she's like, I'm a hairdresser. That's why I know you dye your hair, which no, I don't. I don't. I do not. My highlights are from Jesus. Okay. And then. uh the other hairdresser who was there, her friend, she said, uh, you must have hard water. That's why your hair has a brassiness to it. I was just, I don't, I don't, I've never been asked if I had hard water. I don't even know what that means. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I almost don't want to talk about hair with hairdressers because they have too many opinions and they get mad that I use Pantene. Because they want to sell me something that costs $30 an ounce that they use for horse manes or some horse shit. Anyway, I got distracted. Uh, one of, they asked, you know, they asked a bunch of questions. Some about what it's like being a comedian, which was fine. And, uh, but at one point, I had mentioned I was in a band before I was a comedian. And uh, someone asked, what was the name of your band? <laughs> and I jokingly said, Nirvana. And a couple kids laughed. But the girl who asked me just goes, oh, okay. Like, she thought I was in Nirvana. Not because she thought I was in Nirvana, but because she doesn't know who the fuck Nirvana is. Which, uh, I'm a thousand years old. I should just walk slowly into the ocean. I mean, she, not everyone in that class should know who Nirvana is. You know, that was early 90s shit. Or, you know, and uh, they were born in 2001. So, yeah. It makes sense. But I was just like, oh my god. She's like, oh, you're in Nirvana? Cool. Never heard of them. 
damn. And then I asked my son, because he's the same age as the people in the class. Uh, I guess he was born in 2002, so maybe they were born. Anyway, it's not important. Uh, I said, I said to my son, have you heard of Nirvana? And he was like, yeah, I know you and mom listen to him sometimes, but mostly I know him because of the, uh, the weird Al song smells like Nirvana. I was just like, what? You know Nirvana because of weird Al? You know the, you know the parody? You don't know the thing that's being parodied? Who knew? If you told me in 1994 when Kurt Cobain died, if you told me that however many years later that is, in 2020, Weird Al would have more cultural significance than Kurt Cobain, I would have been very surprised. But uh, apparently, uh, for at least my son, that is true. Nirvana? Oh, from the Weird Al song? And then I realized my son, I guess he said he's just getting into Weird Al. I don't know what he does in his bedroom. Some kids watch porn when they're in high school. My son uh, getting into Weird Al. I realized he doesn't know any of these songs. He's he's watching Amish Paradise. He doesn't know about the Coolio song. He's he's watching uh uh um what was the Michael Jackson one? Just eat it. He doesn't know beat it. Very weird. All right, we're going to call that good. I got to take a nap. Got two big shows tonight. Got to fly out early tomorrow. Going to be home for a day and a half, then fly to Calgary. Too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. This podcast is free, and it's worth it. Talk to you next time.